Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 4. Hear, O God, for we are despised and turn their reproach upon your own head and give them for a prey in the land of captivity. Cover not their iniquity and let not their sin be blotted out from before thee. Now this is Nehemiah praying about his enemies. For they have provoked thee to anger before the builders. So built we the wall, and all the wall was joined together unto the half thereof. For the people had a mind to work. As we said, Jeremiah, whose name means Jehovah Comforts, here, here's a call from God. He is a wine, um, he's the king's cupbearer and uh, King Artaxerxes. And uh, uh, he'd been king for 20 years. And so Nehemiah had this position where he would taste whatever was necessary before the king would, would eat or drink. And so he hears a report about Jerusalem, and the Lord sends to him a burden. Somebody say a burden. A burden. God would love to give each and every one of us a burden for something in the kingdom. Amen. You know, we've ne the church has never graduated from the place where God gives us a burden. Amen. For something, for someone, for a need. And uh, I thank God for the burden bearers that, that I have known in my life here at the church and other places that we have gone. Those who carry burdens. I was thinking about it today that uh, I don't know what year it was, but at the prayer conference in St. Louis, it was, it was still when it was at the uh, hotel that was by the airport. I'm not for sure where it is now, but the uh, can't remember the name of it, but real, real nice airport. And uh, if you go, they'd have the kids, kids um, uh, ministry on the very top. You talk about a beautiful view. It overlooked the runways, and I mean, it's just a beautiful place to have those kids. And and uh, but we were there that night for service, and uh, and and God moved in a mighty way. And it was more of a maybe a worshipful time, expressing time, maybe uh, especially at the latter end of the service. There was a lot of joy. There was dancing. There was worship in in that kind of aspect. Of, uh, of the service. And so it ended that way. It ended on a high note where everybody felt, you know, kind of felt elated by what they had uh, uh, felt and the power of God that had been in the service. And it was kind of one of those things that uh, normally we would, uh, in church, we, we would, uh, after church was over, we'd all find a place to go eat and talk about how God moved in the service that night. A lot of times you would hear people say, boy, didn't we have a good service tonight? We didn't have any preaching. I mean, you'd hear that kind of thing. But, uh, but uh, what happened, I, we, I just remembered, and uh, I think my wife was with me. I don't know who else was with it, our group, but uh, I was wore out. I was tired. I was headed back to the, to the room, and I began to hear this sound that was over by the pulpit area in there. And uh, what it was, it was burden bearers. It's people whose ministry is to carry burdens. And uh, 
What I'm, what I'm trying to say, it was, there was no doubt it wasn't about necessarily being spiritual. It was about them finding their place back, carrying a load that needed to be carried. And I want to say tonight, there is a load that each and every one of us as the people of God need to carry in the kingdom. And, and the thought was, those intercessors, they can't shout too long until they're back bearing their hearts and bearing their souls. There's somebody needs to be saved. Somebody needs to be reached. Somebody needs to feel the call of God. And while they're willing to dance and rejoice and shout with us for a while, they're not going to do it long. They're going to find a place at an altar, and they're going to pray intercessory prayers, and they're going to believe God for miracles. And we, of course, got those here in our church, and I'm thankful for that. It's very important that this generation who has taught us, well, I'm a little farther back, two generations back, the generation taught me and the generation after that, they have taught us about intercessory prayer and we cannot lose it as, as, a, as a people in this hour, in this day. But what he said in Nehemiah 4.14, he said, 4.10, the and Judah said, the strength of the bearers of burdens is decayed, and there is much rubbish so that we are not able to build the wall. He was reminding them that there have been people that's carried it a long time, carried it a long way. They've always been willing to step up and carry the cause of Christ. If there was a need and they could meet it, they would go meet it. They wouldn't pray and ask somebody else to go do it. They would carry the burden to see that the need was met. But the bears of burdens get bore down. They use a lot of strength in intercessory prayer. They use a lot of, you know, a lot of things go out of them when you... That's why people don't do it, because they're not willing to do that. They're not willing to go to an altar, as they used to say, and pray till they prayed through. And I'm not, I'm not going to move on after I say this, but a lot of times in our generation, we want to we say, God bless the food, and, and thank you, Jesus, for this day, and, and that's enough. Bears of burdens don't pray those kind of prayers. People who are willing to carry the burden go before the throne room of God and they touch him. Whether that means they pray all night or they pray till the sun comes up. They pray until they know they've touched the throne of God. And, and I am deceiving myself if I think that I can get by with any less. Amen. Amen. I would just encourage you, if you can, get up there. We have a prayer room, and I hope that you will go, if you can, get up there, because some young people need to see you go in that prayer room and bear some burdens. Can I get a few more amens than that just to make me feel better? Hallelujah. 
But they got decayed. I mean, they, they've carried the load. They've carried the buckets. They've, 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 they've put their hands in the dirt. They've put their hands in the mess of the fire. And we all get weary. We all get weary, and that's why we need new intercessors. Everybody can be one if you want to be one. If you want to say a little deeper prayer than just, Lord, bless the food, you can be an intercessory prayer and get a hold of the heart of God because the kingdom of God need intercessors. Well, I said I wasn't going to stay there. So Nehemiah had a burden. Nehemiah had a burden. You remember what got this whole thing started in Nehemiah? Nehemiah got a burden and he sat down. He stopped, sat down. He wept. He fasted. He prayed. He endured. Intercessors sit down, or in other words, they stop, they weep. Joy comes in the morning. Weeping may endure through the night, but joy comes in the morning. They wept, they endured. They didn't get, they didn't say, Well, I'm gonna be here today, but I don't know about tomorrow. There was something in their spirits that said, I'm here today, and I'll be here tomorrow, and I'll be here the day after that. They endure. He fasted and he prayed. And so Nehemiah led the way for burden bearers to encourage a new generation of people to witness and watch the load that he carried. He said in Nehemiah 4 verse 13, he said, Therefore said I in the lower places behind the wall, and on the higher places, I even set the people after their families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. He said, I set in the lower places behind the wall and on the high places, and I put the families together with their swords, their spears, and their bows. The Bible reminds us where to fight the good fight of faith. What was he talking about in the lower places? He was talking about I'm, I'm going to set where the places in the wall are exposed. I'm going to set in the places where it was still unfinished. You know, I'm not going to get at the end of the wall and just shout and rejoice because the wall is finished. Well, there's more on my area. Well, the wall is still unfinished. Where there were still holes in the wall where it was the least protected, at the most vulnerable place. I'm going to set where, I'm, where it is more vulnerable, the lower places. Every one of us, I'm not encouraging you to go to your point of weakness and camp there. But I am saying every one of us need to recognize in the vulnerable areas of our life, we need to use caution about the areas of our weakness. I think I told you uh, 
the first time I spoke about a church in Michigan that I spoke at, and I, I was playing uh, uh, Monopoly with uh, his son and a few other people. And uh, the pastor come in, one of the boys' dad, he had, a, he had a terrible gambling habit, terrible evidence. I didn't, wasn't aware. And uh, he kind of come in and maybe half kidding, but not really. He said, boys, he said, the devil's in them dice. Well, being the spiritual guy I am, now I didn't say this out loud. I thought, you know what? I don't see no devil in those dice. I've been sitting here throwing and, and winning some Monopoly money, but I don't see the devil in those dice. And it wasn't for me, but the devil was in those dice for him. We need to stay away from things that the devil's into. Things of our former life, things that the Lord brought us from. He brought us out of he brought us out of darkness into his marvelous light. The old song said, I've been changed, I've been changed. Oh, yes, I've been changed. Well, he didn't change us and save us for us to go back to our own lifestyle. If grace was cheap, he would have never went to Calvary. Because Calvary cost a whole lot. But here comes Sanballat. You know, there's Sanballat, Tobiah, and Gesma. Sanballat knew to attack in the areas of his weakness, of Nehemiah's weakness. Nehemiah 4 and verse 16. And it came to pass from that time forth that the half of my servants wrought in the work, and the other half of them held both the spears, the shields, and the bowls, and the habergans, and the rulers were behind all the house of Judah. Now, I tried to find that word habergans in all the books that I had, and I couldn't find it because I've lost my dictionaries and stuff like that. So I'm sorry, I, I, if anybody wonders what it is, I'm with you tonight. I'm wondering what that is, okay? <laughs> the other stuff I know. But um, Sam Ballot began to attack the work. And when he did, Brother Dale, the, Jeremiah had enough knowledge and sense to divide them together, not just divide, but divide them together with somebody holding a spear and somebody holding a trowel. Half of the people worked. Half of the people, you know, stayed on the wall to see the wall accomplished. And the others did their part in ministry. Everybody, somebody say everybody. Everybody is involved. Everybody on that wall was either an asset or a liability. You're either building up West Monroe or you're tearing it down. Now, that's pretty straight, but that's... Am I off on that? 
Every one of us have a mission to build up the kingdom. We are built up in him, the Bible tells us. But we are, as the people of God that have been saved, we're either an asset or liability. 416. Let me read that again. Let's go to 17. They which build it on the wall, and they that bear burdens with those that laid it. Every one with one of his hands wrought in the work, and with the other hand held a weapon. You know, they were working, and there for a while everybody was doing both. I, I, I don't know how they did that really, but that's, that's what the word of the Lord says there. They, they held a, a tool in one hand, and they built, you know, uh, protected the wall with the other for the builders, everyone had his sword girded by his side and so builded. And he that sounded the trumpet was by me. So they were doing either carrying a weapon or working. 19 says, And I said unto the nobles and to the rulers and to the rest of the people, The work is great and large, and we are separated upon the one on the wall, one far from another. In what place, therefore, ye hear the sound of the trumpet? Resort ye thither unto us. Our God shall fight for us. They were working, but they were, they were separated, if you will, on the wall. They were, as they were building the wall, there was this aspect of them being separated. We all know that God is about unity. He's about people working together in unity, having unity, one with another, fellowship, one with another. He wants the church to have unity. He wants brothers to be unified with brothers and sisters to be unified with sisters and all of us to be unified as the body of Christ. And so it was, they were working, but the wall was large and they would be separated, you know. Sometimes there is aspect in the kingdom of God that you feel and sense a little removed away from the normal life of church. But God wants us to be in unity. And so when Nehemiah felt like they were getting too far separated, when there was a little too much Loneliness and isolation, if you will. While they were working, he would sound the trumpet. Sister Clanch, you love to hear a trumpet. I know you do. <laughs> Amen. He would sound that. I wish you could have heard him that day. He would sound the trumpet, or the next day, or the day after that. He sounded the trumpet. And that trumpet meant, come together. We're too far away from each other. Our spirits are, we're so far removed. Amen. Uh, I thought about it the first night I preached this, or taught the second night. I really had, I wanted to commend everybody, because you, you're sitting, sitting right here in the here on the inside and on in this side and on that side, where you're kind of all together. I mean, one of the most frustrating things as a speaker is to talk to some people 
that are all spread out. Somebody at that chair over there, somebody back in that last chair back there, somebody where, you know my point. God doesn't want us because there's something about coming together in unity. You may not believe me, and you don't have to, but I'm going to tell you, it does affect the moving of the Holy Spirit when the people of God are not together. Amen. Because when the people of God are together, when the Spirit of the Lord gets to moving, it moves quickly to the next person. And the next person. And the next person. Amen. And I think it's all right to worship God. And it's all right to worship God to see him move in the church. I've said it often. I'm not for dead religion. I trust you're not. If you think the church ought to be as quiet as the library... I've got a difference of opinion as you. Enter into his gates with and into his courts. They were separated on the wall. Hear the trumpet. Rally around the sound of the trumpet. 1 Thessalonians 4 tells us that the Lord's coming with the sound of a trumpet and the dead in Christ are going to rise. They're gonna, we're all going to rally and the dead in Christ shall rise f- first and we who are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. One day that celestial trumpet's going to sound and we are going to rally around together as the body of Christ. Hallelujah. I won't spend any time in this because I mentioned it last time. We are fighting an air war and a ground war. There is a war to be fought on our knees. Somebody say, on my knees. And then also, a war to be fought by just doing the work of God. Witnessing, evangelism, tell the working, teaching Bible studies, telling people about the Lord. We have, we have a place to be on this earth telling people about Jesus. You say, well, I'm good at that, but I can't pray. Well, you, it, you can't do it that way. You've got to be good at both. You say, I don't believe that. Well, once again, you got a right to be wrong. I am right, ain't I? I am right. The church needs both air war and it needs ground war. And so it brings us to Nehemiah chapter 6. And I'm not going to go through the genealogies tonight. But Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 1 says, Now it came to, ba- came to pass when Samballot and Tobiah and Geshem the Arabian and the rest of our enemies heard that I builded the wall and that there was no breach left therein, 
though at that time I had not set up the doors upon the gates. And so they're building the wall and the enemies and, and Jerusalem is surrounded once again as it is today by enemies. A lot of this is prophetic. As Jerusalem is surrounded by their enemies, this lesson tells us that Sambalat, Tobiah, and Geshen, the Arabian, and the rest of their enemies, the Ammonites, the, um, the other two have skipped me, but the enemies were surrounding them. They had heard that they had built the wall, and they were real happy with it. No, they weren't. They were not happy at all that the work of God that had been lied dormant for 140 years at Jerusalem, that somebody actually got up and said, we're not going to sit here till we die. You know why they didn't sit there till they die? Because somebody got a burden. If you've got a lost loved one, don't let your neighbor be the one that carries the burden for your loved ones. You got a need. Don't, don't think that somebody else is going to carry that. They may, but I've always felt this way. If you don't have enough interest in praying for the needs of your life, don't call this church and say, West Monroe, pray for my need. Now, if you physically can't do it, that's one thing. But another thing is to think everybody in the church ought to do your praying for you. Just a little idea. Maybe we should do our praying for the things we want ourselves. We want, we want corporal prayer. We want to come together and support each other. Amen. But I'm just talking about in, in being here over 50 some odd years. Just been a lot of times have been people that have just expected everybody else to pray their prayers for them. And I know you're thinking I'm being a little hard, but the reason was they're just too lazy to pray them themselves. Oh, Jesus, Lord, help me if I can here, Jesus. And so they were not happy that somebody who had a burden decided that they were going to build the wall. And so in 6 verse 2, Samballot and Geshem sent unto Nehemiah, say, hey, come on, let's meet together in some of the villages. In other words, come on, meet me down at the coffee shop. Let's get together at the coffee shop. And they thought to do Nehemiah mischief. Now they've been working on the wall, and he said, come on, let's get together. Let's go have coffee. I've been working on a building. But their purpose was to do mischief. The enemy does not want to see this church go forth and prosper. And he is going to fight to do whatever he can to keep us from being prosperous. Verse 3, Nehemiah said, And I sent messengers unto them, saying, I'm doing a great work. 
that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease cease while I leave it and come down to you? He said, boys, I got my hands filled. I'd love for you to come help me build this wall, but if you're not going to help me build the wall, if you're going to live down at the coffee shop, if you're going to live down at the plains of Ono, my hands are too busy to stop. Not going to stop and come down to you. 6-4 tells us they did it. They sent that Message to him four times. The devil is persistent. We not so much. There's always been a debate about how many times we should pray. And a lot of people, and I understand the reason they say, well, if you had prayer, if you had faith for the first time, you pray the prayer, that ought to be enough. Well, if you didn't see the miracle, my suggestion would be you pray again. And then you pray again. And then you pray again. And guess what? When God answers your prayer, you don't need to pray again. Does everybody understand that? I can't come down. Why should, I, why should the work cease while I leave it and come down to you. Sent it four times. Yes, a great work. Verse 5 said, Then Samballot his servant unto me in like manner, the fifth time, with an open letter in his hand. Now they had sent four letters, and now they send him a fifth letter with an open letter in his hands. You may not realize that, but that was an insult to Nehemiah. You didn't send that kind of letter unless you were being critical or dis- disrespectful. And they were disrespecting this great man of God who was trying to build this wall. And so they send him this open letter. Six and six, seven says this where it where it was reported. I'm sorry, I need a light right up there. Wherein it was wherein it was written, it is reported among the heathen, and Gashmu saith that thou and the Jews think to rebel, for which cause thou buildest the wall that thou mayest be their king according to these words. And thou hast appointed prophets to preach of thee at Jerusalem, saying, There is a king in Judah, and now shall it be reported to the king according to these words. Come now, therefore, and let us take counsel together. And so what he wanted him to do, he began to tell Nehemiah, Nehemiah, we know what you're up to. You just want to be king. You want the first, you sat there by Artaxerxes' table so long that you're dying to, dying to have his, not his position, but your own position. 
And so we've heard, it's been said, it's been reported, it's been told, somebody said, you want to be king. And you also went as far, verse 7, you've also went as far to hire your own priest and your own prophets. You bought your own preachers to stand on the street corner and say, Nehemiah's the man. He's our new king. Get behind Nehemiah. He's the man. Get behind Nehemiah. That was an insult. And then they said, come on, come on, Nehemiah. Don't, don't, don't stand out there not working on the building. Come, let us sit down and reason together. Let us counsel together. The last thing you need and I need is to have counsel from the devil. If you've listened to him today, you've listened to him for too long. Don't let him whisper in your ear. Don't let him tell you things. We talked about it the last time. He's the father of lies, and the truth is not in him. And if we're liars, we're of our father, the devil. Because there is no truth in him. And so they're doing their best. You know, there's nothing wrong with having to stand and fight for your faith. It shouldn't be easy. Fight the good fight of faith. I'll keep going. Finally, he realized in the eighth verse, it was reminding them, there's no such thing as what you say. It's not the truth. You're only telling me what your heart is saying. You're not telling the truth. I had this happen one time, and, and uh, there was a certain, and I won't go into details, but there was a new church being built, and there were a group of people who had joined together, not a big group, but there was a little group of people that had joined together and pray against that church. And they believed that it was never going to prosper, it was never going to go forward, it never was going to grow, it never was going to be built, all that kind of stuff. And I just simply told them, I said, You're, you need to think this thing over. What you're saying is not going to happen. If God is in it, you're not going to stop it. And if God's not in it, it'll fall apart without your prayers, I promise you. Don't pray for things, if I could put it this way, that are foolish. And then when they don't happen, charge God 
with foolishness. Mm. He said, no, you're lying. I don't believe what you're saying. It's not the truth. It is not the truth. But what they were trying to do is what Nehemiah said in verse 9. You're trying to make me afraid. You're trying to scare the people of God. You're trying to scare us from this good work. You're trying to take our hands that are working and praying at the same time. And while we're building the wall, you are trying with your words of lies trying to stop what God is trying to do and take our hands and weaken them. Nehemiah prayed a prayer that I think all of us should pray. In verse 10, he said, God, strengthen my hands. I think it was in verse verse 9, I'm sorry. Very last words of 9. God, Strengthen my hands. Who can say here tonight, maybe we could just take a minute, hallelujah, and say, Lord, strengthen my hands. Strengthen my hands, Lord Jesus. I'm trying to run this race with patience. I'm trying to run this race with all the trials and tests and all the things that I'm facing and running against. Lord, if you would just strengthen my hands to run this race. Amen. You know, and just how it is when you feel like you feel the Spirit of the Lord like you feel it right now, all of a sudden a new individual shows up in verse verse 10. His name is Shemaiah. Shemaiah shows up. He's a new devil in flesh. He's a new trial for Nehemiah. I know. I've got tired of fighting fights and fighting battles and seemed like the more I fought, seemed like the more I got. You know, Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshmu, and all these others were not enough. Now here comes here comes Shemaiah. He said, hey. he said, they're going to kill you, Nehemiah. Now, he wanted Nehemiah dead. Don't, don't, don't get yourself. He wanted to kill Nehemiah. But he was acting like he was his friend. He said, Nehemiah, you're going to, they're after you. And so you better go into the house of God and into the temple of the Lord. And you better shut the door because I promise you, They're coming after you. And tonight, they're coming after you. So you just better get yourself down to the temple, into the house of the Lord. Well, the next verse is a little hard to understand unless you realize one thing. Uh, Play the next verse. When he said this in 11, and and Nehemiah said, should such a man as I flee And who is here, being as I am, would go into the temple to save his life? I will not go in. How many remember the Lord said something about there's a straight way and then there's a broad way? 
I will not go in. Why would he not go in? He was not a Levite. The law, the word of the Lord, did not give him in the Old Testament. Even all he was doing, working on Jerusalem and building the wall, the word of the Lord did not allow him the right to go in to the temple. He was just a prince. He was someone called to the Lord to do his bidding and his work. But God had designated that it was the Levites that went into the house of the Lord. Let us learn that when the Lord tells us something, we should do that and not do what we want to do. He was willing to die and not go out and not go in, pardon me, because he didn't have a right to go in. Nehemiah said, let's meet together. Let's talk. Once again, I think in fighting this battle, we need to be careful with people that we meet together and counsel with. I'm I'm debating whether to say the next things I'm going to say. But the lady, and, and I loved her. I won't just say right up front, we loved her here. I loved her. If anybody understood some things about prayer, she did. She had a a burden. But this lady, and I'm not going to call her name, but she built, or she didn't build the prayer room, but she decorated the, the prayer room with, with a couple other people. And what I will say was a beautiful prayer room that I would show it to anybody, anywhere, at any time. I knew I'd never seen any better. Now, it's, I don't know exactly all that it looks like now, but I, I know there's changes. So what I'm saying doesn't necessarily apply to now. But she worked and labored, and if you've been up there, you know. If you haven't, there's no way you'll know. But I remember the day at, somewhat, at some point she came and she had started attending this Jewish, there was a church in Marion, it was a Jewish church. And I'm not criticizing the people, not criticizing Jews, I'm not, it doesn't have anything to do with nationality. But what they were teaching was about the Old Testament. Now we all understand that the New, the new Testament is the fulfillment, would somebody say the fulfillment? Fulfillment, fulfillment of the Old. And, and I'm not opposed to people studying the Old Covenant. I think there's a lot to be learned with the articles of the tabernacle, a lot to be learned about the things of the temple and all of that. I'm not, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with doing that, but I remember when she come and began to talk to me, and she did ask me if she should go. And I wasn't going to tell her, no, you can't go. That's not my place. But I did tell her, I said, you know that all of those things, well, I understand they're wonderful things to study, wonderful thing to bite your teeth into. All of those things are fulfilled in Jesus Christ. 
I mean, in other words, I didn't say this to her, but I'll say it here tonight. I mean, you can go grab the copy. I'm going to stand here and hold the real thing. The first man, Adam. And uh, I did everything I could to caution her. I did everything I did to, to you know, kind of talk to her about it. But I did not do, and I wondered sometimes if it was the right thing or the wrong thing. It didn't work out, I can tell you that, if that meant anything. But I did not stop her. And it wasn't too long after that she got really involved. Now, they were Trinitarian. This, this is what blew me away. That group of Jewish Christianity were Trinitarians. <laughs> I just could not believe that. There's no way the person I knew believed that God was three persons. But that's what happens when you begin to counsel and have communion and fellowship with people that aren't of the same faith. Now you say, Brother Griffith, how will we ever reach them if there's lost? You got to be very wise. The Lord commanded us to reach out. And, and to minister to anyone, everywhere, at all times. But it, that's what I mean. You need to come to an understanding of where your weakness is. And you've got to know when, you've, when you're right up to the, your foot's right up to crossing the line. You have got to pray in your spirits and know where the right place is, where you can go forward, and where you've got to back up. She stayed there for a long time, or a while, let me put it that way. And then she left. And my understanding was, and I'm not her judge, not trying to be, but she... My understanding is she did not die in the faith that I knew she believed in. I'm just trying to say, you need to watch where you put your shoes. Not everybody who wants you to put your shoes at their door is out for your good. Somebody said, well, all... All roads lead to Chicago. That's true. But if you're, honey, we're not going to Chicago. And if you get on Interstate 57 right down here and go south, it's going to take you a long time on that road to get to Chicago going south. Shut the doors of the temple. And he was not going to do it because he was a Levite. And then in verse 12, Nehemiah realized that this new person, Shemaiah, was not sent by God. He was just like Samballat and Tobiah. They had been bought by Samballat and Tobiah. I'd like to say that I don't know any preachers that were ever bought 
with money. They're bought with something. I can't tell you that I know that that I know of any that were. But I'm just going to say, I'm not going to be one to tell you that that never did happen. Yeah, Jesus, help me. In verse 13, it tells us that he was hired to make Nehemiah afraid and to sin. Shemaiah had one reason, and that was to discredit and mock and laugh at Nehemiah and make him a laughingstock so he would sin. He would go into that temple and sin against his God. And as soon as he did, the first people that would be crying foul was Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem. And then Shema here. They wanted to point out, and I'll be done here in just a minute. They wanted to point out his sin. They wanted to be able to spread an evil report. They wanted to give reproach to the kingdom of God and the work of God. Tobiah, Sanballat, Nordiah, and, the, and, and the, many of the prophets and Shemaiah were called to do one thing, put fear in the heart of Nehemiah. We all know fear is cruel as a grave. But all through that, Nehemiah prevailed. You know, there's no place to quit, church. There's no place to quit. You're stopping point. It, it's not out there. There is no place to stop. We've got to go forward in faith. And so Nehemiah just went on in, in verse Verse 15, and just made a declarative statement, and the wall was finished. In the 25th day of the month, Elul, which is September, remember it started in Nisan, which was April, 50 days of the month, in 52 days, the wall was built. The work, next verse, the wall was wrought of God. It was God's will. It was God's plan. And even the enemies, in verse 16, who had fought like everything to stop the work, even the enemies had to come back and acknowledge I got to give it to you, buddy. That wall's been broken down for 140 years, and we never thought anybody would ever build it up again. But you did it. You did it. By standing with the trumpet players and gathering around together in unity, you did it. Because it talks, 17 talks about the nobles of Judah who, 
who then sent letters to Tobiah. I'm going to tell you, the enemy doesn't stop. Now he's not, they're not sending them to Nehemiah anymore. They're sending their letters. They're brothers. Somebody say, my brother. I'd like to tell you that your brother will never fail you or will never disappoint you. I'd like to tell you your brother in the Lord will never do anything to you that could rock your faith. But I'm not going to tell you that because it's not true. They may not mean to, or they may mean to. You know, Jesus was wounded in the house of his friends. And if you're in church any length of time, you're going to find somewhere down the line, or many somewhere down the lines, you're going to be wounded in this house of your friends. But don't let that stop you. So now they're sending letters to Judah and then sending those letters to Tobiah. I'm just telling you, he's after you. With whatever trick he can do. But I can tell you in, let me finish with this, Nehemiah 7 and verse 1. Now it came to pass, hallelujah, it came to pass that the wall was built and had set up the doors and the porters. Remember, he had talked about it. They had built the wall, but the doors weren't on it. But now the doors are on it, and the porters and the singers and the Levites were appointed. You see, what, what's happening here, he, he's not only just building a wall. He's building, if you will, a city and building a church. Because what ends up happening in chapter 8 and 9 and 10 and 11 and 12 and 13, he sets up their worship. He sets up their civil authority, how they could have government. It's, it's a, a book of bringing people together and allowing the work of God to go forth. The wall got built no matter how the devil fought it. Amen. If we as the people of God could get the determination to have a mind to work, we'll see all the things the Lord wants to build for us. Could somebody say amen? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. But... The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Not. Yes, he does. Amen. We're, she said, we're his children, and Jesus wants the best for us.